Genesis chapter 3 verse 6 says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. I want to talk from this subject in this first lesson in this self-sabotage series. Here it is. I did it to myself. I, I did it. If it's tight but right, clap your hands in anticipation of God's word. I, I did it to myself. As we begin our time together, family, I'd like to present a phrase that was penned by a prophet named Hosea. It's a phrase that may be familiar to some, but new to others. And the phrase is simply this. This is what Hosea says. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I often frame it this way. Let's see if you feel this. Ignorance is expensive. Whatever area I am ignorant in is an area I will suffer in. In other words, I cannot have a good life if I'm living it based on bad information. I'm going to say that one more time. I cannot have a good life if I'm living it based on bad information. This is why it is key, critical, and consequential to vet these and be selective in terms of stewarding who we allow or what we allow to influence the way that we're living our life. Because whoever has our ear has our future. Therefore, family, I think it's imperative and consequential that we build our life on the most reliable source of information that exists, and that is the Bible. It is the most important book you will ever read. And it is the most consequential book that you will ever read. It is the owner's manual for the human species. It's the cheat code for the game of life. It is the blueprint to God's best. Therefore, if I'm going to allow any source of information to influence how I live mentally, to influence how I live relationally, to influence how I live ethically, to influence how I live financially, to influence how I live professionally, it should be the most reliable source of information on earth, and that is the Bible. Somebody say yes. However, in order to do so, we must not only be exposed to it regularly, we need to interpret it rightly. Listen to this. The word of God is only God's word when it's accurately interpreted. The word of God is only God's word when it is accurately interpreted. Dr. Darius. What does this mean? It means if someone consciously or unconsciously misinterprets and misrepresents God's word, that's no longer God's words. That's their interpretation. Did you hear what I just said? 
And God only commits to perform, to complete, to back up what he says, not what we think he meant. And I am suggesting that an underemphasizing of this has contributed to much frustration in the confines of the Christian church because a lot of what we have heard has not necessarily been God's word. But our historic, traditional, denominational, ideological, national interpretations of that word. If I'm making sense, say yes. So then it means then if I am going to allow the most reliable source of information on earth to guide and to govern my life and my decisions and, and my steps and my choices, it means I must not only develop the skill of reading it regularly, I also need to know how to interpret it accurately. Do you not know how the Bible has been used to keep people in bondage and not in freedom? Do you know people use the Bible to justify the subjugation of women? Do you not know that people misquoted scripture and, and used things called the doctrine or the curse of Ham to suggest that if you had more melanin in your skin that you were actually cursed and as a result of you being cursed you were inferior to other races do you not know how people have used scripture to cause people to feel like I have to subject myself to abuse and allow people to exploit me and dehumanize me and belittle me because the Bible say turn the other cheek We need, are y'all all right today? We need more than to read it regularly. We need to interpret it rightly. This is what one spiritual leader in the New Testament, Paul, said to one of his mentees, Timothy. He said this, study to show yourself approved. Come on here. A workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's what he says. He says, study, man. He told, don't just pray, study. So that when you stand up before people, you're presenting to them something that's accurate and not just inspirational. Because if you give them inspiration without accuracy, they're going to end up in frustration because they're going to keep doing the things that you told them to do in a state of inspiration. But because it's not accurate, it's not going to work and it's going to lead to frustration. They have turned around three times and nothing turned around. They've high-fived their neighbor seven times, the number of completion, and stuff is still incomplete. They've thrown a dollar and hollered and manna didn't fall from the sky. They named it, claimed it, blabbed it, grabbed it, called it and hauled it and it still hadn't come into their life.
So today, I'm almost done. I want to give you a principle of biblical interpretation. It's something we call the principle of first mention. Somebody say first mention. It's okay if, if it passed to teach you this month, right? Okay, here it is, here it is. Because I can't inspire you out of self-sabotage. We can't, I, I'm, where's my honest, maybe my honest people online. I said I can't, because many of us know what it, what, it, what it feels like to be inspired temporarily. And then go back and engage in some of the same repetitive patterns and cycles after the inspiration wears off. This month is meat month. Somebody open your mouth and say meat. Because some of you are in a meat season where you need some substance and some strength. Some of you are in the fight of your life and you don't have time to be living off of milk. You need something that's going to help you leave this service and go back to the battlefield so that you can get victory over what you're fighting. And if you want meat, you in the right church this month. So I want to give you a principle of biblical inter interpretation called the principle of first mention. And this simply suggests, not exclusively, but specifically when you're looking in the book of Genesis, if you see something mentioned or you're exposed to it the first time, you will likely see a pattern that will be displayed each time you see that issue or that concept in scripture and in life. So when we're reading now the book of Genesis and we're reading chapter 3 and we are introduced to the first time to this invisible, intangible, evil force that the Bible calls Satan, that Jesus calls our enemy, when we see him for the first time in Genesis, we're going to see a pattern of the way he works that we can predict, not only in scripture, but also in our life. Are y'all following me here? Okay, so the first time we are introduced to the enemy in Genesis, we can look at what he did with Adam and Eve and predict what he's going to try to do with you and me. Dr. Darris, why do I need some degree? Nobody can predict everything, but why do I need some degree of prediction? So here's, here's another word for prediction. Because I'm not talking about prophecy. I'm not saying predicting everything. Here's a, here's a biblical word for it. Discernment. I didn't say discerning of spirits. I said discernment, which is the ability to recognize a pattern and the wisdom to make an adjustment. 
I feel like the Holy Spirit is preaching better than we're amen in this morning. I said discernment is the ability to recognize a pattern and then the wisdom to make an adjustment. And is there anybody that can look back over your life and see there were some times I dealt with some tribulations and some situations because I ignored a pattern or I saw one and didn't make an adjustment. But the enemy's upset today because that season is over. Some of you are making adjustments right now. You say, oh, okay, I see how this is. Yeah, I love you. I'm making an adjustment. I'm not going to be ungodly, but I'm making an adjustment. I'm not going to do you the way you're doing me, but I'm making an adjustment because I have discernment. Jesus said, you know a tree. Watch this. I'm not judging a tree if it's producing apples. Why are you judging me? I'm not judging you. I'm just saying these are apples. I'm allergic to apples. I'm just saying that's gossip. I'm allergic to gossip. I'm just saying that's petty. I'm allergic to petty. In this season of my life, the way my life is set up, So, so if we can predict, we can protect. Am I making sense? If, if a meteorologist tells us strong winds are coming and you've got patio furniture on the deck because you can predict, you can protect. We can't predict some things, but we can everything, but we can predict some things if we pay attention to patterns. In this room and online, where are my honest people at that'll say, you know what, I miss some patterns before. Every now and then, I, I miss. So, so, so we, can, we can protect if we can predict. Here it is, y'all. Here it is. So I want you to see first time what the enemy did with Adam and Eve because that's what he's going to try to do with you and me. Can I, can I show it to you? I said, can I show it to you? I, I want to talk to a hungry crowd. Do you really want to know? Okay, here it is. This is what we see the first time. The enemy did not destroy Adam and Eve's life. The enemy talked them into destroying it themselves. So, if he did that with Adam and Eve, first mention, then we can conclude he's going to try to do that with you and me. Because all throughout scripture, we see him operating according to this same pattern. He did not destroy Moses' life. He talked Moses into, or influenced Moses, into destroying it himself. He didn't destroy David's life. He influenced David into making a decision that destroyed it himself. He didn't destroy Solomon's life. He influenced Solomon into making decisions where Solomon destroyed itself. 
He didn't destroy Samson's life. He influenced Samson into making decisions that destroyed it himself. All throughout scripture he did it successfully until he got to one man in Matthew chapter 4 named Jesus. And what worked with Adam, what worked with David, what worked with Moses, what worked with Solomon, what worked with Samson did not work with Jesus. Jesus said, not today, Satan. And I believe somebody is in that season of their life where they're like my time of getting in my own way and sabotaging my own future is coming to an end not today Satan I'm tired of crying over stuff I got myself into. I'm tired of digging myself out of holes that I dug myself into. I'm tired of healing myself from times where I let people hurt me. Not today, Satan. The season for self-sabotage is over. God's getting ready to take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it around for my good. I'm getting out of my own way. I see what you're doing now, say. I see, I see, I see exactly what you're doing. I miss this, but I see exactly what you're doing now. I thought you could destroy me. You can't. If you, if you cause me to think you can destroy me, I'm going to ascribe more power to you than you actually have. You can't. God had to give you permission to even get close to Job. Now, I'm going to tell you why some of you should be excited. I got 12 minutes. Y'all all right? I'm going to tell you why some of us should be excited. Look how blessed you are. And you've been getting in your way. What is God about to do in this next season of your life once you get out of your way? Somebody praise God for what's about to hit your life. I'm this blessed and I've been silly. I'm this blessed and I've been settling. I'm this blessed and I know I'm not at my best. Well, if you hate me now, you're going to despise me later because what God has for me. All right. All right. You can be seated. Here it is. But if this is going to be more than religious rhetoric, if this is going to be more than lip service, there, there's something we need. Right? Okay, here it is. Here it is. I don't want, in this house, we're not just going to be excited about it. We're getting ready to experience it. Somebody put this in the chat and said, out of your mouth, I want it. If he say I can have it, I want it. Yeah, if he didn't want me to have it, he wouldn't tell me I could have it. I'm not being greedy. I'm being passionate. 
He said, I can have peace that passes all understanding. I want it. He said, I can have joy unspeakable, full of glory. I want it. He said, a weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I want it. And if you don't want yours, I want yours too. Yeah. So if this is going to be more than religious rhetoric, if we're like really going to get out of our own way, are we going to make mistakes? Of course. But it's one thing to make mistakes periodically. It's another thing to get in our own way consistently. And so if we want to get out of our own way consistently, there's something we need, we need to know. There, there's some, let's make a hermeneutical loop. Let's go back to the introduction. There's some information we need. We're destroyed for lack of not. So if I'm going to get out of my own way, I need more than inspiration. Are you inspired? Come on, you feel inspired? Yeah. Do you feel motivated? Yeah. Okay, but we need more than that if we're actually going to get out of our way. Because if you're in this building, once you get in the line of traffic leaving, your inspiration might leave. Am I, is this too real? Is this, yeah, the sign did have, this is a no cap zone. Okay, all right, this is, somebody in the chat put no cap, no cap, no, no, all right. So here it is, here it is. Yeah, there's some we need, we need some information. This is what the Bible said. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. He says, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Meaning, if we are unaware of his schemes, he's able to outwit us. Got me? But if I'm aware of his schemes, then he can't outwit me. So if I have the information, I can make some predictions. And if I can make some predictions, I can have some preparation. Are y'all okay? Does this make sense? All right. Here, here it is. So, so, so we need some information on his schemes. Because Paul said we're not unaware of his schemes. So, so we need some information on his schemes. And the book of Genesis gives us some information on his schemes. The, the, the book of Genesis right here, Genesis 3, shows us three schemes or what Paul calls in Ephesians, wiles of the devil. Do I have permission to share them with you? I say, are you giving me permission to share these with you? Okay, here it is the first one. Here's the first thing the enemy uses or one of the things the enemy uses to get us to self-sabotage. Y'all ready for it? Here's, here's, here's the first thing in my notes that he uses to get us self-sabotage. Number one, agitation. Watch this. Adam and Eve were not initially agitated. But they ended up agitated because the enemy sowed seeds of discontent by causing them to focus on, watch this, the one thing they didn't have as opposed to everything they did have. One of my mentors taught me this. He said, the first temptation in the Bible is the temptation to focus on lack. See, all these trees in the garden, the devil made you look at the one thing you don't have. Now, y'all told me you were ready for the hard truths. You told me you wanted to do more than feel better. You wanted to be better. You told me that. 
And the same thing he did with Adam and Eve is the same thing he does with you and I, isn't it? We can be so blessed and blind to the blessings. God's like, I gave you the whole garden. You mad about the tree. The one tree that you can't have that you really don't want because it's not going to do for you what you think it's going to do for you. Did you hear what I just said? The enemy created agitation by painting a picture of possibility. Saying, hey, this is what life could be like if you, if you do more. So they lost the whole garden because they couldn't live without one tree. They weren't even adversely impacted. They were just agitated. And if we honestly look back over our lives, we will see where we engage in some self-destructive behavior just because you was agitated. I'm going to go to the, I feel a little, I'm feeling online and right here. I said, where's my real section now? If we look back over our life, we did engage in some self-sabotaging behavior just because we were agitated. We weren't injured, just agitated. We weren't adversely impacted, just agitated. Where is my honest church today? The enemy wants to use that agitation to get us to act impulsively. But I believe I'm talking to some people who would say, this is the season of my life where I'm not letting anyone or anything get on my nerves to the degree that you cause me to do something to hurt me. Where is my church? I said, this is the season where we say I'm not letting anyone or anything get on my nerves to the degree that you cause me to hurt me. Come out of my character and ruin my reputation. The devil is a liar. I will not let you hurting me cause me to behave in a way that hurts myself. Is this real? Is this real? Okay, here, here's number two. Here's number two. I'm not going to get through all of my points. This, this is too much right here. I, I, I will do part two next week. Here it is. Number one, agitation. That's the first thing he uses. Here's the second thing I see in the text. You ready for this one? Second thing I see in the text he uses is this, exaggeration. Did God say if you eat that fruit, you're going to die? Mm. Yeah, you know your heart. He exaggerates, exaggerates what God means and meant. And exaggeration takes place in the imagination. The enemy uses exaggeration to make good things look worse than they are and bad things look better than they are. An example of this is in 2 Kings, right? When the Bible says there's a servant of the man of God who went out early the next morning and an army of horses and chariots surrounded the city. And he said, oh, my Lord, this is Elijah's, Elisha's servant. He said, oh, my Lord, what are we going to do? They surrounded us. They're about to take us out. Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around. 
He said, I thought I was by myself. The enemy was exaggerating my adversity. Numbers 13, we see it. Verse 31, the men who had gone up with them said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw Nephilim there, and the descendants of Anna come from Nephilim. And we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we look the same to them. How you know how you look to them? Are y'all ready? How do you know what they're thinking about you? They made assumptions about what someone else was thinking. So they didn't lose to the grasshopper, the giant on the outside. They lost to the grasshopper on the inside. And some of you, your grasshoppers was killing you. It's not the giant adversity. It's not the giant obstacle. It's not the big thing out there that's stopping us. It's the small thing in here. Somebody say exaggeration. The enemy wants to exaggerate the adversity to get us to act unwisely, but I want to encourage us to declare what I see doesn't change what he said, but what he said will change what I see. And how many of you know we've engaged in some self-sabotaging behavior because we've made our trouble bigger than it actually is? I'm done, Tario. Here's number three. I told you three, right? Yeah. I said I told you three, right? Yeah. Okay. Number one is what? Okay. Number two is what? Okay. You ready for number three? Yeah. Here it is. Separation. Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden. Meaning they, the enemy orchestrated separation from the source of their strength and their smarts. See, we often talk about how God separates us from bad things. I want to tell you, sometimes the devil separates you from good things. Did you hear what I just said? The prodigal son shows us that sometimes the enemy will orchestrate frustration to create separation. Not realizing that the prodigal son's life didn't start going downhill until he got away from a divine connection. Now, while he was in his father's house, he was dealing with some frustration. He felt some restriction. Right? Because even good things have some bad moments. Let me, let me go there. But the enemy used that frustration to bring about a separation. And he confused himself with his source. And he was fine for a season. So here it is. He confused himself with his source. He confused himself with his source. So everything he was getting was coming from his father. He thought he had enough. So he leaves the father and he has enough for a season. <laughs> then all of a sudden he realized, okay, wait a minute. 
Now, he said, I was living from the overflow of a connection I no longer have. Now, I'm in a state of depletion. Bible says he dealt with poverty. You can have poverty of joy, poverty of peace. Because sometimes separation is satanic. Who did the enemy use to orchestrate some silly stuff? To create an unnecessary separation. What was number one? What was number two? What was number three? Let God separate you from the bad things. Don't let the enemy separate you from the good ones. Somebody say stay connected. The enemy will do that in relationships. The enemy will do that in marriage. The enemy will do that in your church. Dr. Darius, I see the enemy schemes. What, what do I, can you just, you can't leave me like this though. Tell me what to do about this. What can I do with this, Pastor? Can I give you three, four, can I give you four things? You got to write fast. I got to go. Here it is. Number one, if you're going to overcome these schemes, you got to learn how to silence the snakes. Everything in Genesis 3 happened because Eve didn't silence a snake. Because Adam didn't silence the snake. Snakes, the Bible uses animal metaphors to describe human personalities. So I'm not being disrespectful when I say snake. I'm just being descriptive because snakes are those who have poison in their mouth. And some of us are engaging in sabotaging behavior because we keep giving access to our ear to people who carry poison in their mouth. Poison is anything that makes you discontent. Can I give you like an example of this? My wife is amazing at this. She deals with this all the time. When I say all the time, all the time. We, we can be in rooms where people maybe have seen her from afar or not know her at all. Say, hey, what do you do? And she was like, well, I help my husband lead the church and I help my husband lead our companies and I raise my children and I'm a good husband, try to be a good wife to my husband. But no, what you do for you, snake? Because it's almost like if you aren't out here doing something solo dolo, it's not significant. And there are some people that leave their assigned place because they're listening to people who are trying to be big when little got them. Because she's doing more than everybody who asking her. Who making you discontent? Who belittling what you're doing? It happens with people who are part of our church staff. 
especially those that are, that are pastors on our staff. It happens all the time. People say, when you get in your own church, snake. Because serving in this church, they're leading more people and making a greater impact, some of them, than, than most of the people who are asking them about their own church. The pastors on our team are better leaders than a lot of the pastors I mentor. Y'all not talking. They such good leaders. There are certain conversations I don't even have with senior pastors. I direct them to pastors on our team. I can't tell you how many people jump out and do things. Oh, they doing entrepreneurship? I'm going to do entrepreneurship. You know everybody's entrepreneur and don't have no money now. See, now, come on now. It's, it's like we paint this picture that everybody's an entrepreneur winning. Some of them working more hours, no insurance, making less money. If God's called you to that, do it. But if not, don't let a snake. I'm sorry, y'all. This is... Don't let somebody talk you into something that God has not called you to. I'm done. Silence the snake. Number two, audit your emotions. Audit your emotions. Audit means to conduct an examination. Just because what I feel is real doesn't mean it's right. And sometimes your emotions are what the devil's using to exaggerate something. Just because I'm real scared don't mean my problem real big. Did you hear what I just said? I said, just because I'm real scared doesn't mean my problem real big. I got to audit my emotions say, okay, I'm tripping. This is self-regulation. Sometimes you have to regulate you because nobody but God knows what's going on with you. Come on now. And you can feel yourself kind of getting out of, okay, now wait a minute. I'm not going to bother this, but David says, I have a degree of control over my emotions, my soul. David said, I command my soul to bless the Lord. David started talking to himself. He said, I asked myself, soul, soul, why art thou disquieted within me? What's going on here? Sometimes you got to talk to you and say, now calm down. You, you. Number three. I got to arrest arrogance because it's arrogance that causes some unnecessary separation. We don't want to be codependent on people and we shouldn't, but we also don't need to underestimate divine connections. And then here's the fourth thing, guys. It's prime your praise. Prime your praise. Prime means to get something ready for operation. And priming your praise means living with a degree of anticipation. It's like, I'm in. I'm anticipating. Don't you mess with me. She got it. I'm anticipating. I'm waking up every day not anticipating this is going to be a terrible day. But we wake up every day anticipating this is the day my phone's going to ring and I'm going to get the... And if not today, it means I'm one day closer than I was yesterday. Somebody prime the praise. Get, somebody prime the praise. Somebody that's expecting God to do something significant. Somebody that's expecting God to do something amazing. Somebody that's expecting God to make good on his word. Prime the praise.
Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for opening our eyes to the enemy's schemes. Thank you for showing us that he uses agitation. Thank you for showing us that he uses exaggeration. Thank you for showing us that he uses separation. But we thank you even more for the divine strategies you've given us in your word. And we will silence that snake. Every snake in our life, Father, we will silence. We will refuse to give access to our ear. We can't stop them from talking, but we can stop them from talking to us. We just thank, we, ooh, glory to God. We thank you for for the wisdom to do that. Help us to audit our emotions, Father. Help us to uh, arrest our arrogance and help us to prime our praise to live lives filled with gratitude. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap your hands all over this house. Woo. How many would say, Pastor, I need this series. I need this.